So yeah, hello everyone. Today's guest of the Squeeze Growth Podcast is Mary, the founder of an impressive productivity app called Llama Life. Squeeze Growth has been a partner of Llama Life for a while now, and it's amazing to observe their growth over the last few months. So hey, Mary, how it's going? Hey there, Drew. Um, I'm good, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. And I would like to start by asking you about Llama Life and how it works for someone who can be the potential beneficiary of the app. At a very basic level, you can, you know, start by describing Llama Life. For sure. So Llama Life is a productivity tool that on the surface looks like a to-do list, um, but our focus is a little bit different in that it is it is all about helping you work through a list versus just making a list itself. Um, there are a lot of productivity tools out there that help you add tasks to your list, um, but we actually want to actually guide people through to completing those tasks. And the way we do that, there's sort of two key mechanisms. Uh, one is that we let you set a timer, a countdown timer against every task, um, and that helps to add a little bit of focus to what you're doing. It helps you work on one thing at a time and be a little bit more purposeful with the work that you're you're undertaking. And the second way we do it is by trying to make every aspect of Llama Life super fun. So for example, you know, when you complete a task, you get a confetti animation. Yeah. Um, the the UI, the user experience is a is a very sort of um, whimsical, uh, fun experience, both visually but also with sound effects. And we hope that that keeps it, you know, interesting for people and encourages people to to use the tool and in turn, you know, complete their their tasks. Yeah, I I agree to you on that. Uh, Llama Life is quite different when it comes to especially user interface and features. So uh, instead of just go, uh, making a to do list or simply creating a checklist. You guys actually ensure that people will complete the list by adding specific features like soundscapes, chimes. Mm -hmm. So I, I, yeah, and I really like the confetti uh, celebration thing after you, you, <laughs> know, you. you complete the task. So that's pretty yeah. good too. Yeah, I think you got it spot on. You know, I think there's just so many list tools out there, but in, in order to make it a little bit different, we we are we are focusing in on the the, the concept of focus and helping people increase their attention on a given task and um, at the same time just trying to keep it very very minimal and free of distractions so on the surface it looks like a very simple tool but there is a there are a lot of ways that you can customize it if you go into settings just because we believe everybody is different in terms of how their brain might work or you know what works for me might not work for you so we believe in allowing the user to customize it to how they would like yet still having the core of it being consistent so it's a it's a very interesting balance for us to keep a product consistent yet give the user flexibility correct yeah i i do believe that llama life can have as many use cases as we can imagine so mm -hmm. uh, about the specific feature presets you guys have so it allows yeah. you to create a template of tasks that you can then accomplish. So yeah, yeah we, we can create customized tasks as per our own needs and wants. So that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That That's probably one of the, the most, um, we have a lot of users who, who say that is one of their favorite features. So you mentioned the preset lists and, you know, that came about because, you know, often as you go through your day, there's a lot of tasks that you might be repeating day to day. Yeah. So more routine tasks and 
rather than making the user type it out every time, we let you create a preset list. And I guess as an example, a preset might be, maybe it's a morning routine that I always do. And part of the morning routine might be spending, you know, five minutes to plan my day. Um, it might be doing 10 minutes uh, meditation or maybe like two minutes in a journal, but I don't want to write that out every single day. So I create a preset no. list and what Llama Life lets you do just with one click of a button is, you know, say, I want to load that morning routine. I click that and it'll just bring the, those three tasks we just mentioned into a main list. And um, you can create as many presets as you want, depending on you know, what you've got planned. Some people create a preset list for every day of the week. So maybe there's something that always happens on a Monday, always happens on a Tuesday. Um, some people create presets around a specific task. So, um, you know, for example, um, I, I have a, I have a preset for myself when I run payroll, uh, for the team, I, I have specific things I want to check off and it's a very important task for me. So I don't want to miss anything. So I have that, um, as a preset, and then I just load that every time I need to run payroll. So it's it's very, very quick and um, I don't need to think about it. And it's just right there in, in my list. Awesome. That is a pretty huge time saver, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So yep, yep. Mary, why, while I was going through your Twitter, I came across one of your Twitter threads. And they are pretty interesting, by the way. I really like the way oh, you write you. them. Thank so, you. Yeah, you quit your job in 2018, right? And yes, yes. Yeah, so it was a high paying job that you quit. And yep. then you decided to uh, begin on the journey of entrepreneurship. Mm. So yeah, so why quit your job and start a productivity app in the super crowded <laughs> niche, I would say? What was your biggest motivation? What inspired you to create Lama Life? Yeah, so there were a few different things. Um so, so I, I have tried doing various startups in the past. So before 2018, this is probably like my fifth startup now. Um, so I'm not new to entrepreneurship, but I think the challenge is sometimes, you know, when you become an entrepreneur or you run your own business, it, it's, um, it takes a lot of time, effort, but also, also money as well. So what had happened was pre 2018, um, I'd actually done a few different businesses, which, which failed. And I think that's important to mention because, you know, sometimes people just see on the surface that it looks like it was an overnight success, but, but personally for me, it's, it's been completely up and down. You know, I've had many failures in the past and I'd actually just come off the back of a failed startup and I really needed to go back to, to work. This is sort of 2016. So let's go back a few more years, even. Um, I needed to go back to a full-time job because I'd just run out of savings and I needed to replenish them. So I was working a full-time job and, you know, I don't regret any of that. It was definitely a, a difficult change for me to go from my own business, my own startup back to a corporate environment. But I still learned a lot in that job. I actually met someone uh, in that job who is is now working with me in Llama Life. So it was a great sort of place to to build connections and meet new people and and discover like people that you might want to work with in the future. Um, and then sort of fast forwarding a few years to the tweet that you mentioned uh, in 2018, coming off that corporate job, I decided to to quit that to start my own business again. Um, and that's kind of what led me to Llama Life. So a few different things there. Uh, I think this time around with Llama Life, 
I wanted to create a product that was very personal to me. And I got diagnosed with ADHD about 11, 12 years ago now. And so I've always had a challenge with focus. So the thing with ADHD is that, you know, if there's something that you're interested in, um, it can be easy to focus on that because you're interested in it. But if you're not interested in something, it can be very, very challenging. And therefore, it sort of presents itself differently in different people based on their interest uh, interest levels and what they're interested in. But for me, you know, I'm constantly trying to to manage my focus. So that was one reason I decided to make Llama Life. Um, the other reason is that I, you know, this is sort of peak pandemic time, 2020, I want to say, um, start of the pandemic and everybody was learning a new skill. And I thought, you know, I'm not a good cook. I didn't really want to learn to do more cooking. A lot of my friends were learning how to cook different dishes. And I was like, you know what? I want to learn how to code because I've always been tech savvy. I've always loved technical things, but I, I've just never really properly sat down and said, I want to learn how to, to code and make, you know, web apps and do web development. So I thought, you know, this is the time everybody's doing something new. Let me, let me try and do this. So I started teaching myself how to code and, you know, the journey's ongoing. It's not like a, yeah, I know how to do everything now. It's, it's always going to be a journey, but I learned enough to put together an app, which is Llama Life. It's basically the first thing that I made by myself, you know, on my own, both the design and the development, the product and the business side of things. Previously, when I worked on other startups, I was always working with a developer you know, with a software developer, but this time, you know, I've done the whole, the whole thing, which, you know, is very satisfying for me and, um, just a very, very good learning experience, which I'm continuing to learn every day. So the good thing is that I'm very interested in software development. So from an ADHD perspective, it's actually like it, it, it entertains me. It's, it's not, uh, difficult for me to say, let me, let me try and bash out some code because I, I love doing it. So I think that was really important for me as well. Um, and that's kind of what's led to today. So we're just starting out still, but we've got, you know, some very passionate users, some very passionate customers, and I, I love what I'm doing at the moment. And we're a small team. There's um, there's two of us at the moment. And um, yeah, we're it's just the start. It's just the start of the journey. That's very inspiring, Mary. I uh, really like the uh, process that you took upon and the hardships that you faced before becoming what you are today. So uh, you said that before successfully creating Llama Life, there were a few startups where you learned some lessons from, right? So yeah. uh, can you say that uh, those are the stepping stones to your success today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think everything we do in in life and sort of getting super philosophical here, but every, every experience is, is a learning experience. And I think for me, one of the key things was, you, you know, when, when you have so many failures in the past, you get kind of used to it. It doesn't seem as scary. I, I do remember with the first business, I was very emotionally attached to it. And it, it was very hard when that failed, right? I felt like I felt like a total failure and I took it very personally, even though I knew I shouldn't, it still felt very, um, like I felt it deep in my soul, you know, when that business didn't work out, but every business after that, you know, got a little bit easier and a little bit easier each time. And 
And then you start to look at failure a little differently. You kind of look at it as a, um, I don't know, it's just part of it. And it's it's never a complete failure if you if you learn something from it. And um, one, uh, one other thing I learned was that it's very, very important to find a business that you are passionate about because the, the, the two main reasons why startups fail, there's, there's, I think everything can be summed up into two reasons. One is money because, yep. you know, you, you do need money to keep it going, whether your business is is profitable and making money on its own, or you raise money from an investor, or you have some savings that you're putting into it, it does need some kind of money. Um, and I, the second big reason is that uh, startups fail because of motivation. So the, the founder themselves runs out of motivation or the team runs out of motivation. And if you are not passionate about the idea that you're working on or the, the business you're working on, you're going to run out of motivation at some point. So this needs to be an intrinsic motivation from within. So it's not something external. It's not that you're you're motivated by, um, I don't know, maybe getting a lot of customers every week. You you have to feel it from within that like you're very passionate about this topic. And for me, that is another key difference because I, I'm very um, passionate about Llama Life because it's so personal to me. Like I always am trying to solve this problem, whether or not. Llama Life exists, I will be trying to solve this problem for myself, this problem of attention, this problem of focus. And I'll give you an example. So one of the previous businesses I did, it was called Dog Dish, um, like D-O-G Dish. And um, it was basically freshly cooked food for dogs, like human grade food uh, delivered to your door. And I, uh, there are other people doing this type of business and they're very successful in it. So it is a, it's not a completely unique idea. Um, I had customers that were very uh, passionate about it and they, they, they were definitely people buying the product, but I personally do not like cooking. Um, and it involved a lot of cooking, even though it's cooking food for dogs. Like there's a lot of cooking, a lot of things about getting the nutritional value, right? It was a very hands-on labor intensive job where you had to package package the food, um, thinking about shipping and logistics and, you know, all of that stuff can be done. And, and yes, some of it can be outsourced. So you don't have to do everything, but the fact remains that the general industry that it was in was, was food. And I, and I was like, I am not passionate about food or cooking. I am passionate about dogs. I love dogs. And, you know, the reason I started it was because my dog um, has a lot of allergies. So, you know, his allergies are under control if he eats human grade food and very nutritional food uh, with no preservatives. So that was my my initial inspiration for it. But that wasn't enough because I was passionate about the problem, but I wasn't passionate about the execution, like how I was solving the problem, which was making food. And um, yeah, my motivation ran out. I actually, I actually decided just to stop that business, not because it wasn't working, but because I just fell out of love with the idea and what I was doing. And that is a big difference for me, you know, when I look at that business versus Llama Life, because Llama Life, like, I just know I am never going to stop trying to solve that problem of attention. And the bonus for me is that I'm trying to solve it now with software and I love doing software. So it's really, it's really like a perfect, perfect mix for me. Um, product founder fit is perfect. You know, we talk a lot about product market fit, the startup industry. 
always talks about product market fit, right? Can you create a product that fits the market? Customers want it and are willing to pay for it. That's all great. And we're trying to, we're trying to get to that as well. But I think what isn't talked about as much is the product founder fit. Like you have to have product founder fit as well. Otherwise, you know, long-term probably not going to work. That's a very underrated idea, I would say, right? People focus more on product market fit, but they, uh, you know, largely miss out on whether uh, the product is fit for the founder in the first place. You know, pointed out the pain point that you personally were facing, which was ADHD. And you set out on a mission to fix it because if you might be facing it, there might be other people like you who might be facing the same problem and who are looking for the solution. So yes. yeah, I, I agree on that, that one have to have a passion on something in order to persevere through hard times. That's, that's pretty spot on, Marie, I would say. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I think, you know, with the ADHD audience, the other interesting thing is, you know, although it's a problem for me, when I, when I launched Llama Life, I wasn't specifically targeting um, the ADHD audience because it's really... It's, it's really a tool for anybody who wants to increase their focus and be more productive in their day and, and feel good about it too, because you can be productive, but also very stressed and yeah. anxious and hectic when you're working, but you could also be productive and be in a very calm kind of flow state. And we're obviously trying to design a product for that latter state. Like we're trying to help people um, manage their day and feel really good while they manage it. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because originally it wasn't it wasn't really going to be just for the ADHD audience. That said, we have had so many emails from people uh, like myself with ADHD who just are so grateful for the product. Like they they email us and they they I'm I'm so surprised. Like they they tell us their life story and you know when they got a diagnosis and what they're struggling with. And I I think it's important to sort of listen to that feedback as well. So there's a couple of things there. One is you know they give us feature ideas and we try and yeah. make sure we keep building a product that satisfies that. But at the same time, from a motivation standpoint. It's so motivating for me to see that people appreciate the product. So they're actually to see that it's helping other people is is so satisfying, and that that keeps me going like every day. Like when I get these emails, I'm like, it's worth it. Like it's very hard work because we're a small team, but it feels so worth it because because we actually have this um, this dialogue with customers, this connection where they email us and tell us that. It, it's changed their life or something. It's, it's made a difference to them. And, and I didn't get this with my previous startup. So I, I think for me, because I have a benchmark, like I did these businesses before and I didn't get this sort of customer feedback in the same way. It, it's um, it, That's a learning as well because I've got that experience. This time it feels different in terms of how the product is resonating. It feels different to what I had before, which makes me makes me even more sort of um, motivated to keep going with it. Awesome. So, uh, Murray, you said that you started Llama Life as a bootstrap company, right? Initially. Yep. So, yep. Uh, any strategies that you want to share? Because squeeze growth is also bootstrap and mm. uh, there are some hardships to it uh, opposed yeah. to that of a funded company company yeah so so um so llama life i bootstrapped llama life to about 700 paying customers um i eventually though we did raise some money so we are now a funded company that's quite recent that was just at the start of this year so start of 2022 um but it is a very it's a very different mindset definitely so bootstrapping 
I think the, you know, what worked well for me bootstrapping was that I think, first of all, if you're very, very early in your idea and your execution of that idea, it's very important to put a time limit on it as well. You know, because sometimes, look, sometimes it's not a great idea, right? Or maybe your execution's wrong. So it's very important to be self-aware and get feedback and put a time limit because the last thing you want is to be working on something for years and years and years, but it's not right. You know, you can sink a lot of time that way. Um, The other thing that's worked well for me is that I build in public. So this is kind of a trend at the moment. Um, Usually people build in public on it can be on any social platform, but but Twitter is a big one at the moment. And all it means is that you're sharing what you're doing uh, very openly all the time. Maybe it's like you you released a new feature or even before that, like you're working on a new feature. Here's my progress on a new feature. It might be that, hey, you know, suddenly we landed this deal um, with an influencer and you could share that. Or you might say, um, you know, I... I, I uh, this week I added, you know, 15 customers to my product and you're kind of just sharing the journey um, day by day. And it's important to do it like daily because you're, people are interested. They want to know what's happening and they're following the journey. They're trying to learn from your story as well. Um, that helped me a lot. I would say Twitter has been one of the biggest kind of growth channels for Llama Life because people are genuinely interested in what's happening. And they, they kind of share it and act as um, ambassadors for the product as well. So it's not the only marketing channel, but just it is one of the more organic ones because we just share what we do and people people follow it, they support it. There's a bit of a community that's built built around it now and that's, that's really helps. Uh, I think on top of that, just being able to make connections with people through Twitter, just through DMs, um, being able to land partnerships and deals. So we've had a lot of, a lot of success just through a random tweet, that kind of thing. Would you recommend me uh, starting as a bootstrapped company? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the interesting thing, with, let, let's say productivity for a second because people are like, oh no, there's another, not another productivity tool. But I think, um, so the thing with productivity tools, it's, it is very crowded, but I think it can work if you have a niche. So with Llama Life, it is very focused on, like, we're not trying to be everything. We're not trying to be a project management tool. We're not trying to be a, you know, a Kanban board. We are just helping people focus. And because of that, I think it has a place. So, you know, if you're thinking about doing a productivity tool, it could work, but I think it has to have something, there's got to be something that's different about it, whether it be the experience, like what it's trying to solve. And, you know, for us kind of we're still at the start of the journey, so I wouldn't say it's successful yet. It's showing signs of success, but I, it's nowhere near successful yet. But there's some signs of that because um, because it's niche. You know, we're, we're trying to solve a very, very specific pain point, and we're trying to do that differently by creating a fun experience. So I wouldn't say no to productivity, but definitely needs to be some kind of difference. Um, in general, uh, well, I think... Look, it depends on the metrics, right? And it depends on the vision. So the difference between a bootstrap company and a funded company is really about like the, the scale or the size of the vision. So I think it's, if you start by going, oh, I'm going to, am I going to do a bootstrap company or a venture-based company? I think you have to ask yourself, like, what sort of lifestyle do you want? Because if you go for the VC route, like we have now, it, it's very different. Like, the ambition for the business is much larger. You know, the 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 venture capitalists they they want a return on the money. 
That's what that's what the money's for. They put the money in in order to help you grow your business exponentially at scale, grow the team, do that quickly. But at the end of the day, it's a it's a business transaction as well. So they expect some money back and the money comes back to them usually in the form of some kind of exit event. So if you get acquired by another company, like a larger company acquires your company or you IPO, and that is when the investors get a chance to get a return on on their investment. But that that requires a lot of work. It requires some, you know, a lot of crazy hours. The um the expectations change completely. You know, if you're if you bootstrap a company and and it's interesting because that's kind of where I started. I think for me the expectation when I was bootstrapping was can I get this to a point where Llama Life replaces my the salary I would have got in a corporate in a corporate job. And, you know, maybe it doesn't even have to be as much as that high paying job that I had before, but maybe it's just enough for me to live. And I'd probably be happy with that because, you know, it's it's fine. I'm doing something I love and um, I'm getting paid to do that. I can survive. That would have definitely been one, you know, that was one path I could have gone down. The difference is really the the ambition, like I said. It's do you want this product to be something small and serve like a small group of users and be fine with that? And there's nothing wrong with that either. There's nothing there's no right answer, right? It's just what is right for you and your specific wants, needs, circumstance. For me, I chose to go this venture out because, you know, it was a little bit serendipitous to be honest, because I wasn't originally planning to raise money, but the opportunity came up and I got invited to a, a startup accelerator. Um, I decided to join the accelerator program, which was a three-month intensive uh, program to help you grow. And during that, during the accelerator, I I guess the ambition for the product just grew. You know, the the people that I was, um, you know, that was surrounding me were kind of encouraging me to think bigger. You know, what could this be? You know, could it be something where right now the ambition is to to be the number one brand to help people increase their mental clarity, their focus, you know, while they're at work. And that is a really big ambition. It it starts with a SaaS product, but we're talking about a brand here as well. Say like a Nike or something or Adidas, like it's a brand. So it doesn't just need to be a SaaS product. It can be one part of the business, but there's also opportunities to do more in that general area. So that is the biggest difference, I think, is just the the size of the ambition of the company. And there's, like I said, there's nothing wrong with either path. It just depends on what what you personally want. Um, I know a lot of people bootstrapping businesses where they have more than one business as well. So there's a lot of indie hackers on Twitter where they've got several businesses, several little SaaS products that they work on, but together those products make enough for them to make a living. And they're completely happy with that. And that is completely fine as well. So, you know, it's just really what, what you're, uh, what, what you're looking to do, you know, everyone is different. Yeah. And as you mentioned, expectations, that's quite true. I would say. So if you are initially, when you started, you had different expectations in mind while creating Lama Life, but when mm-hmm. a VC or someone else funds the company, he or she comes up with different expectations. So yeah, they also have. Uh, something in mind when it comes to making money out of that investment so we need to keep that in mind too when it comes to raising capital yeah i mean the other thing to keep in mind is that there's a lot of uh business administration sort of overhead that is required to raise capital it's a very intensive process you know it's 
There's a lot of due diligence involved, as you can imagine. Someone's giving you a lot of money. So it's not, it's a very, it takes a long time to do. And there's a lot of paperwork involved. There's a lot of learning because you want to make sure it's tight and buttoned up. So for me, there was a massive, um, there's a lot of learning I had to do in a very short amount of time to make sure I understood the process, that I could execute this process. I could talk with investors, understand what they were saying back to me. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot. It was a whole nother job. You know, people always say it's, it's a whole job just doing that, just to raise the money. And if you're bootstrapping as a single, um, like a solo founder, a solo entrepreneur, it's very, very hard. And I managed to do it, but very hard. Because the other thing that happens is when you raise money and you're, and you're one person, it means you can't spend time on other things. You don't have the time. So what does that mean? Because suddenly you, you're not working on your product as much. I wasn't coding as much. I wasn't dealing with the customers as much. I wasn't listening to feedback as much because there's only so many, literally only so many hours in the day and you've got to take care of your health as well. You can't work 24 hours and something's going to fall apart. So it, it can negatively impact you because suddenly your product is not getting the attention it needs. And that means probably your growth is going to slow down. If the growth slows down, that now has an impact on the conversations you're having with the investors because nobody wants to invest in a company where your chart is going down. You want up and to the right. You don't want down and to the right. But if you're yeah. not working your product down and to the right is what could happen. And I've, it, it, I've been in that situation a little bit and I was like, oh no, I need to go back and work on the product, but, but I don't have time because I'm trying to raise money. So very, very, um, it's something, it's a big, big decision if you decide to go that route. And if you do, I would probably recommend try not to do it on your own. It's not impossible to do on your own, but it's very difficult. That's true. So talking about time, what are your thoughts on delegation and how important is delegating to you? What was the threshold when you decided that now you need to hire and you cannot do everything on your own? I think um, it's important. It's definitely important to delegate. And, you know, right now what we're trying to do is hire people who are specialists in different roles and ideally ideally delegate. But the, the challenge is when you're the founder, you're so close to the product. Right? You're, it's, it's all, everything to me is a balance and a trade-off because you do want to delegate, but at the same time, you want to stay really close to it because otherwise stuff gets lost. So I think I, what I'd, my ideal situation would be is to be able to get to a point where you've imparted enough knowledge to the team in terms of the way you think, in terms of the way you work, in terms of the brand that they can execute on their own, like they're independent enough to do that. So I, I think what I try to do, and you know, it's still a learning thing for me, but what I try and do is, is, is talk more about like the general principles that I have or the branding, sort of the, the high level guidelines. And then you can't, you have to trust the team to execute within that. So if you talk about the principles that you have, then it's easier for them to go, oh, what what would Marie do in that situation versus being more like, can you do X, Y, Z? You know, that that's, it's trying to be less sort of task driven when you're delegating versus just try and just try and share principles and knowledge and trust that they will, that will do the work themselves. It's very, very hard to do though. And I'm, I'm still learning all of this as well. And um, yeah, we'll see how it goes, but 
I think you do need to, to delegate because you can't do everything on your own for sure. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're true when you say that sometimes we can f- uh, feel that the person may not be the perfect fit to do that job. But even then we need to trust that person at least to see how he or she does. So yeah, trusting is one of the most important factors that yeah, comes here. Yeah, I think hiring is, is yeah, definitely one of the hardest things I've had to do. Um, so hard because there's so many factors Like you have to have the right fit. They need to want to work at a startup as well. We've had a few instances where we found people who we thought were the right fit. You know, we could work with them. We want to spend time with them. So that's that's very important. You want to spend time with them. They have the skills. But then there's this other factor, which is like, do, are they are they um, cut out to working at a startup? Like, do they understand what that means? Because this stuff changes all the time. The pace yeah. is completely different. You know, something that might have taken six months in corporate, like maybe we just do it in two weeks because we don't we don't have the same hoops to jump through. There's no bureaucracy. We just want to get it done. And I think there's a bit of a, a reset that need you know, a reset that has to happen in their heads if they're coming from corporate, that it's a completely different timeline that we're working against. Um, you know, there's much more emphasis on the on the work itself and less on politics because there's no politics because we're just two people, three people, we're all just passionate about getting, you know, good work done. Um, there's a lot less ego. I try and hire people who don't have a big ego, right? It's, it's really important to me because there's no ego. Like it's, if we get something wrong, we get it wrong. If we get something right, we kind of win together. And as soon as ego starts getting involved more, it becomes hard. There's a lot of ego when you talk about big corporations, you know, different hierarchies, there's a lot of egos that you need to satisfy. And we don't really have the luxury of time to deal with that sort of thing. So that's that's definitely one thing I look for is is someone really hardworking, high, highly driven, motivated, but but low ego. That would be my ideal kind of candidate. Awesome. I'll keep that in mind in case the career option is enabled for your side. So yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you said that uh, raising capital can be pretty hard. And as a yeah. solopreneur, you're able to figure that out on your own. So that's no child play. So first of all, congratulations. So mm-hmm. uh, on that, what does your routine look like? So you're so productive. Someone with or without ADHD might want to copy your routine. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I would say maybe it looks like that on the surface, but it, it's it's not it's not always like that. My my routines. Mm, I think the only routine I have is really, you know, trying to get up at a, the same time every day. And I usually try and take my dog out for a walk in the morning and I walk to the coffee shop, I grab a coffee. But other than that, my routine, it, it sort of changes all the time. Like I don't have a fixed time for lunch. Sometimes I have lunch quite late. I I really try and I, I, I think I need to get better at that, to be honest. So I would say, you know, I'm working on a productivity app, not because I am super productive, because like I have the challenge of being productive. So I, I'm very uh, intimately aware of the problem um, because I have the problem. But yeah, other than that, like my routine, it's it's really just that start bit, how I start my day. But anything goes at that point after that. Just depends what happens. We might have a customer who has an issue. We suddenly have to drop everything and try and fix it. So um yeah, it, every day is a bit different. So it does not need to be perfect every day. Yeah. It can change yeah, according to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the key. Like it doesn't have to be perfect, but 
I do think it's important to start the morning correctly. I, I do find personally, if I get the morning right, like if I feel like I've accomplished a few things in the morning, whether it's just getting up on time, taking my dog for a walk, making sure my dog is happy, like he he feels satisfied, fulfilled. I, I feel good then. And I think this is where maybe sort of people don't talk about this as much, but when you when I think about productivity, it's not just it's not just what you've ticked off like at the end of the day. It's it's about how you feel while you're doing it. That's very important to me. And and also to Llama Life is that it's not just about um what you've ticked off. Like did you feel good when you did that? Like were you stressed when you did that? Were you calm when you did that? We're trying to design a product to help with that, but I think that's something that a lot of other productivity tools don't look at. It's more focused on um, the output. Like it's more focused on statistics saying, oh, you were 10% more productive than yesterday because you completed 10% more tasks. That's just looking at it from a numbers perspective. We're actually not looking at that at all. We have a very basic report that is generated for people, but it is not about saying to someone, you are 10% more productive than yesterday. It's like, well, how did you feel? Because if you felt really good about what you were doing, that counts for something as well. It's not just about the number of tasks and it's more, it's, it's, it's the whole package, right? It's the whole feeling of you got something done. Maybe it was something that you've been procrastinating on for a long time, but you got it done. So that counts, you know, that counts because you felt really good. You did it. And to somebody else looking at it, they're like, well, that was so easy. That's an easy task. But for you, that's a hard task. So if we can help you do that task and you feel good about it, we don't mind if it's a hard task, an easy task. Like, was it good for you? And if it was, then we feel like we we succeeded. You started learning programming on your own from YouTube mm-hmm. and other yeah. platforms. So yep. uh, what programming languages would you recommend beginners to learn first? I know there can be different use cases for different languages, but someone yeah. who has no clue about programming, but want, wants mm-hmm. to get their feet dirty in programming. Mm-hmm. So what programming languages uh, would you recommend starting with? Well, I only, um, so I only know, I only know JavaScript and React. I mean, React's not really a language, it's more a framework, but for me, I, I chose web development because it's something that I interact with every day. So I interact with the, the internet every day. Um, I have heard that it doesn't really matter which language you start with. What is more important is understanding the fundamentals of programming. And then once you understand the fundamentals, whichever language you've chosen, it's much easier to translate that and learn another language. That said, if you are just trying to pick one to, to start with, I would probably pick something that is of interest to you when you look at the final product. So for me, I like looking at websites. So I'm like, yeah, web development. If you like mobile apps, maybe you start with like one of the mobile app. Maybe you start with, you know, Android and iOS are different. Maybe you pick like one of the languages there. Um, But I think the most important thing is just to get started. Just get started. That's probably the, the, the biggest hurdle is just getting started. And I know the the choice of language is a thing because I had that as well because I I was asking all my friends, you know, what should I learn? What should I learn? But looking back, I probably placed too much emphasis on that. I should have just just, just start. And once you start, you start to get a feel like, oh, I really like this language or this is resonating for me. If you start down a particular path and you're like, I don't get it. Like, it's just not clicking for me. Maybe then you go look at another language, you know, just everybody's a bit different, right? You've got to find one that works for you as well. So I've heard some people go, I started with 
you know, Python didn't didn't click. Oh, I went to JavaScript, but or, or vice versa. But the the key thing is just get started. Just get started. And I think the other key thing for me was find a method that works for you. So I tried reading books. I didn't didn't work for me. I'm a I'm a very bad reader. <laughs> I can't, I have a lot of trouble reading stuff. So um I found that that YouTube was was my thing. You know, if I watched coding videos on YouTube, that that just clicked for me. And because it clicked, I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch videos. And that's how I learned. So the key is to get started. Also, I noticed that uh, in Llama Life, you guys have a separate section for blog content. So yeah. uh, would you say that uh, blog can also be a good medium for driving consistent traffic and building awareness for your brand? Yes, definitely. Um yeah, first of all, thanks thanks for that. Um, my my um my team member, uh, she'll be really happy to hear that because uh, she wrote all the blog content. And yeah. yes, it it is a good way to drive traffic to the website. You know, there's there's different ways you can use a blog. Obviously, you can post about it yourself, and that gives you content to post about. The other thing that it helps with is SEO. So just from a search optimization standpoint, you know, when it helps our website be surfaced when someone's searching for keywords that might appear in our blog. Um, we're actually just getting started with the blog. So there's a lot more we can do, but, but yeah, thanks. Um, I'm sure uh, she'll be really uh, excited to hear that you, you like the content on there. Yeah, definitely. I read through some of the articles and found them to be quite helpful. We're still working on that. There's um yeah, there's so much to do. That's the, that's the exciting part of it. It's, uh, it's uh, never ending. <laughs> it's never ending. Yeah. 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 So, uh, my last question for you, Mary, is: uh, Do you have any plans to make Llama Life even better, like integrating team features of or anything specific uh, that you have planned in the roadmap? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing we know for sure is we want to stay within the niche of helping people focus. So we definitely are not planning to become an all-in-one tool. You know, there's a lot of other products that can can serve different purposes that are very good. Uh, we're in, our intention is to stay laser focused on being a focus tool. Um, the other thing we're going to be looking at is a mobile app because right now Llama Life is a web-based product. It is running on your desktop browser, and we've had so many requests for mobile apps that I, I think we just <laughs> I don't think we cannot do it. Like it's people ask for it. it's number one request is a mobile app. So look out for that. Um, we're hoping sometime next year. And we also want to do more with sounds because, you know, for me, um, music, soundscapes, that 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 really helps me, my brain sort of switch on and focus. So we're going to be experimenting more with sound. Awesome. Looking forward to the new features. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Uh, it was great learning from you, Mary. I'm hoping to see you again soon. Uh, thank you thank for you. your time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Drew.